Let us pray. And Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it, that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. 1 Kings 21.1 As I sit and ponder on the truths in today's reading of 1 Kings 21, I'm reminded how critical it is to operate my life in complete honesty and integrity. Through the life of Ahab and Jezebel, I will do everything in my power to only go after what you've positioned for me to possess. I bind any thoughts that would have me act in any deceitful way to obtain someone else's inheritance. I declare that what God has for me is perfect for every need I will ever have. Forgive me for any jealous thoughts and actions I may have committed, both knowing and unknowing. In addition, I declare that any blessing that was wrongfully taken from me be replaced and that I would receive extra for the wrong committed against me. I know you are a just God and that justice is part of your character. Move on my behalf today, Lord, so that I can continue to flourish in the promised place you've prepared for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for making prayer a priority in your day. To learn more about the Bible, stay tuned for today's story. Brought to you by BibleInAYear.com Naboth's Vineyard In our last story, we learned about Elijah meeting with God on Mount Sinai. He had fled from Jezebel, the witch queen and was afraid for his life. His troubled and weary mind was met with the gentle touch of God's presence and direction. The Lord gave guidance to Elijah and told him that there was a civil war approaching that would topple the kingdom of Ahab and Jezebel. Now we see Jezebel working behind the scenes to shed blood and corruption, and Elijah finally returns to confront the king and enact the judgment of God. Inspired by the book of 1 Kings. Hello, this is Jack Graham with today's episode of The Bible in a Year. In our last time together, we heard how Elijah fled the ruthless and violent Queen Jezebel. She wanted to kill him for humiliating and killing the prophets of her false god, Baal. Elijah was frightened and he became depressed, even asking God to take his life and end his misery. But the Lord came to Elijah on a mountain and gave him assurance and direction. He told Elijah that there was a war coming and new kings who would help cleanse the land of the worship of Baal. He also led Elijah to find a new prophet, Elisha, who would learn from him and live with him and follow in his footsteps. Today we will return to Ahab the king and the wicked queen Jezebel and discover how God dealt with them for their unrighteousness, unfaithfulness, and sheer evil. Jezebel will prove as bloodthirsty and evil as ever, but God will prevail against those who mock his name, and Elijah will appear again before Ahab to bring forth God's judgment. So get ready and listen now to today's scripture. Naboth was tending to the soil of his vineyard. The sun was high in the sky, but the breeze provided a cool respite from the heat. Naboth smiled and breathed in deeply. He loved his land. He loved his vineyard. 
It had been passed down from many generations, and he saw vine dressing as his true passion in life. Naboth looked to his left to see a massive home in the distance, King Ahab's palace. It was ideal for him to be so close to the king. It made Naboth feel safe knowing that the palace guard was so close to his little vineyard. As he was peering into the distance, he saw a horse approaching with a rider from the palace. Upon further inspection, Naboth realized that it was King Ahab himself. Flustered, Naboth dusted off his clothes and ran towards him. Before Naboth could greet the king, he spoke, saying, Since your vineyard is so close to my home, I would like to buy it from you. Perhaps I will plant a vegetable garden. Of course, I will not leave you empty-handed. I shall either buy it outright from you or find you a better vineyard in a different location. Which do you prefer? Naboth was surprised at the king's candidness. He bowed his head and said, Oh, the Lord forbid that I just give away the inheritance of my father, grandfather, and great-grandfather. It has been passed down for many generations. Naboth was nervous at the king's response. He had heard stories of Ahab's volatility. He prepared himself for a lashing of the whip or tongue. However, to Naboth's surprise, Ahab said nothing. Instead, he simply walked away with his head held low. Like a sulking child, Ahab departed. Ahab slammed the door to his chambers. His anger burned against Naboth. He hated him. Food was waiting for him at the table beside his bed. He refused it, took off his robe, and laid face down on his bed. Jezebel slithered into the room with barely a sound. She sat beside Ahab on his bed and began stroking his hair. What is the matter, my king? she whispered. Why do you refuse to eat? Ahab rolled over on his side to look at her. His eyes were red with tears and rage. This small and insignificant vineyard truly bothered Ahab. Naboth will not sell or trade his vineyard to me, Ahab said. Jezebel sighed. She stroked Ahab's head, vexed by her husband's weakness. Are you not the king, she said sternly. Ahab shrugged and put his face back on his pillow. Jezebel rolled her eyes back and twitched her neck. She stood to her feet and looked at her pathetic husband. When he looked back at her, she forced a smile and said, Get up and eat something. I will go get you Naboth's vineyard. With that word, she slowly closed the chamber doors. Jezebel's evil heart knew no conviction. She was a brutal and bloodthirsty woman. However, she was wise. She was tactful and careful to never get her hands dirty unless it was absolutely necessary. She gathered together letters under Ahab's name and sent them to the elders and other leaders around the city, saying, Call every citizen to a time of fasting. Give Naboth a place of very special honor. When he is reveling in his newfound glory, have two scoundrels accuse him of treason before everyone. Hold no trial. Take him out and stone him to death. Jezebel sealed the letters and sent them away. In this, Jezebel was tactful. Not only were the elders the ones to kill Naboth, but they will think they are doing so under orders of Ahab. This is how Jezebel operated. She was secretive and outsmarted everyone under and over her in command. All that Jezebel ordered had taken place. Naboth was elevated to a seat of honor. 
As he gleamed with the adoration of his peers, he was torn down and brutally stoned. Jezebel was not around to hear them, but she assumed his screams for mercy were great. She closed her eyes and imagined Naboth dying before her. The very thought of it made her feel alive. As soon as Jezebel knew Naboth was dead, she entered into her husband's chambers. She sat beside his bed again and stroked his hair. You know the vineyard Naboth refused to sell you? Ahab sat up in attention. It is yours now, my king. He is dead. Ahab leaped out of his bed in excitement. Jezebel watched him dance like a little child. That's who he was to her. A simple child. Ahab wasted no time and mounted his horse to go and claim the vineyard. He rode fast and excitedly. What a pleasant surprise it was for him to discover Naboth was dead. He was sure his wife arranged something, as she always does. However, it benefited Ahab to not ask questions about his wife's methods. The wind began to pick up slightly. Evening was only a few hours away, and Ahab wanted to get the plan started for his new garden. Ahab looked at the land, imagining himself like King Solomon with vast gardens to prove his wealth. As Ahab was basking in his victory, he saw a dark figure in the corner of his eye. Ahab jolted behind him to find Elijah standing ten feet away from him. His brow was furrowed, and his gaze was piercing. Ahab felt the blood leave his face as Elijah looked straight through his soul. So it was not enough to kill Naboth, Elijah said. Now you must rob him too? The words shot force like arrows towards Ahab's chest. The conviction of the Lord was looking to penetrate Ahab's heart. Listen to me, Ahab. Because you have done this, dogs will lick the blood off your lingering corpse on this very ground. Ahab did his best not to seem frightened by Elijah. Last time he saw him, Elijah was calling down fire from heaven and summoning tempests. Ahab stood upright with his shoulders back. So you have finally found me, O enemy of mine, Ahab said. He forced a sly grin, but it only served to reveal his nervousness. It is true, Elijah said as he took a step closer. I have come because you have whored yourself off to evil. The Lord is not pleased. Elijah took another step towards Ahab. Ahab's heart began to beat faster as Elijah approached him. Elijah spoke for the Lord, saying, I will bring destruction upon you. I will destroy all of who you are. Your descendants, servants, and livestock will be consumed. My anger is targeted towards you, O Ahab, for you have led my children into sin. At this point, Ahab was stepping back from Elijah, breathing heavily in fear. Elijah was close enough to grab Ahab now. And as for Jezebel, your witch queen, Elijah paused. Dogs will eat her body on the wicked land of Jezreel. All the members of your family will be picked apart by vultures. The Lord's anger burned against Ahab for allowing his heart to slip into complete corruption. He had sold himself to the powers of darkness and allowed Jezebel to poison his mind. No one else in Israel had completely given themselves over as he had. However, upon hearing this rebuke, the heart of Ahab began to melt. He tore his clothing, dressed in burlap, and fasted before the Lord. He humbled himself towards the point of poverty to prove his sorrow to God. Elijah learned of this, and God spoke, saying, 
Do you see how Ahab has humbled himself? Although his dynasty will still be cut off, I will not deliver my judgment to him while he lives. God always honors a repentant heart. As far gone as Ahab seemed, there is no one so far gone that God will not hear their cries for mercy. In today's passage, we meet a man named Naboth, who owned a vineyard near the palace of King Ahab. The king wants Naboth's land for himself, so he tells Naboth to sell it to him or trade it for an even better plot of ground. But Naboth is unwilling to part with his family land that he had inherited from his father. Ahab doesn't respond in violence, but he goes home and sulks like a child, whining to his wicked wife Jezebel that Naboth refused to give him what he wanted. What a weak king he is. But if Ahab was unwilling to take what he wanted by force, Jezebel had no issue with taking what he wanted and what she wanted. So she told Ahab that as ruler of Israel, he could have whatever he wanted and that she would make sure that he got the vineyard. She was very cunning and knew how she could use deception to accomplish her plan. So she wrote letters in Ahab's hand telling the elders to call a fast and to put Naboth in a place of prominence. This wasn't meant to honor Naboth, but bring false charges against him. The punishment would be given then and there, a public stoning. Her plan went off without a problem, and Naboth was killed by the elders. The vineyard Ahab wanted was as good as his now, and Jezebel delivered the news to the king. Ahab was overjoyed. He knew Jezebel had employed unscrupulous methods, evil methods, to get him what he desired, but he asked no questions. Jezebel was wicked to the core, and her heart was on evil continually. Ahab was guilty by compliance, giving consents through his silence and his own personal wickedness. And for the moment, it seems that the plans of these evil people had prevailed. In the Psalms, we read about how it seems at times wicked people prevail and boast in their triumph over good people. But as the Psalms would proclaim, God will always avenge his people, and judgment does come in due time. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. So as Ahab stood in his vineyard, basking in his conquest, a familiar figure approached. It is Elijah. Ahab seemed to know that the end was near. His choices had consequences. And rather than run, he listened to what God was saying through Elijah. In 1 Kings 21, 20, and 21, this is what God says to Ahab. Because you have sold yourself to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord, behold, I will bring disaster upon you. I will utterly burn you up and will cut off from Ahab every male bond or free in Israel. Elijah went on, telling him that he would take from him the kingdom because he had led so many people astray. Ahab had given himself over to evil, though he was the king of the nation. God would judge both Ahab and Jezebel, and their sin would cost them their lives. Jezebel would be thrown off a balcony and die and be eaten, her blood lapped up by the dogs in Jezreel. 
and many others would die there to be eaten by dogs or carried away by birds who foolishly turned from the Lord. It was surely payday someday for Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab was cut to the heart with these words and tore his clothes as a sign of mourning and repentance. He fasted and wore sackcloth. God seemingly had gotten through to him, and the Lord was moved by Ahab's humility and contrition. He spoke again through Elijah, telling Ahab that his life would be spared because he humbled himself, but disaster would still be visited upon his household. The stain of his sin would have consequences. You see, the Lord is always near to those who seek him. There is no lost cause in God's grace. And God stands ready to forgive anyone who would earnestly repent and return to him, even Ahab, even you and me. Dear God, we thank you that you are a God of justice, but that you are also a God of great mercy. Thank you for your love that extended all the way to Jesus and his cross and resurrection. And through your grace, amazing as it is, we can have forgiveness, and eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's Bible in a Year podcast. I'm Pastor Jack Graham from Dallas, Texas. Let me encourage you to download the Pray.com app and always make Bible reading and Bible study a priority in your life, along with prayer. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with someone you love. Let someone know, because by sharing this podcast, you can truly make a difference in someone's life. And if you want more resources from me, Jack Graham, as to how you can grow in your Christian life, then go to jackgraham.org. That's jackgraham.org. God bless you. This episode is sponsored by MediShare an innovative healthcare solution for Christians to save money without sacrificing quality.